And yes, welcome back, Unbalanced. Episode 4, I believe. It feels like more because we've recorded more. I just got to get a little bit more regular pushing out this content. I think it is week 8 of sequestration. At home, missing human contact, except those that live with us. Shelter in place, work from home whatever you want to call it, it is getting difficult, it is getting hard, but it's something that we got to do when we think big picture and think where we're going and what kind of summer we're going to have and what kind of fall we're going to have and how things are going to line up as we move into 2021. I'm really grateful right now for things like FaceTime and Zoom and Microsoft Teams. It's been awesome to be able to actually look face-to-face, even if it's on a screen, to the people you're talking to, and to feel that sense of community. And I I really love how so many businesses and friends and family have been getting together and really utilizing technology to stay connected. It's also been great to uh, get out on some quiet roads on the bike and on some relatively quiet trails up here in Park City, although some people are not socially distancing themselves there's lots of big groups out but keeping the head down keeping focused and doing what i gotta do to get through this time as is my co-worker my boss my fearless leader kevin adams except he's back on the east coast in north attleboro working from his basement we're starting to see a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel uh Parts of Europe have definitely flattened their curve and are really showing, you know, positive signs, less cases, less death. Uh, Things are starting to open up again. Things are starting to open up here as of today. 12 states have opened up and allowed running specialty stores to conduct business, albeit a, a little bit of a restricted nature with capacity in store and staff having to wear gloves and masks, and customers in many cases wearing masks also. So we have uh, entered a little bit of a different normal, and hopefully we'll be entering a whole new phase of just a better normal coming up soon. In the meantime, we're going to keep posting these short interviews with various running specialty owners throughout the country as they talk about what they're doing in their community to survive and or thrive during this COVID-19 pandemic. Our guest this week, Stephanie Blosey, is fantastic. I've known Steph for several years, not as well as my boss, no Steph, but she and her sister Kerry are at all of the events, and uh, they're very, very involved in their own running store, their own running community, but they're running specialty community at large. And as a result, we tend to bump into each other at various events. And Steph is always big smile, super positive, upbeat. And I thought, perfect guest for right now. The kind of person who you want to hear from because of the things she does. And I got to say, this landed really, really well for me. Uh, I expected Stephanie to be very good, but she was a lot better than I thought. And and. I really, really hope that you guys enjoy this one. Steph has a crazy background, such a unique story. Talk about 
you know, those moments in time when you wish you just gripped it and ripped it. Well, that's Steph and Kerry. They they came into the running specialty business by just deciding that that's what they were going to do. And they went and took a couple of years to do different things, go back to school, get more dialed in on this space before they, they took the leap. Steph's background working as a uh, weather reporter uh, for Weatherbug, working with other meteor- meteorologists and uh, news anchors and so on and so forth. It's pretty bizarre and pretty awesome. But the way they came about uh, acquiring Fleet Feet Hartford is, is special. And what, they, what they've done in that community is really, really special. The work they do with the homeless and Steph will, will tell you all about that during this, is is enough to, to make you feel like you're not doing enough yourself. And I mean that in the most positive way because these Blowsy sisters are, are really, really incredible people and what they do is incredible. And I'm really excited to share this week's guest, Steph Blowsy, Fleet Feet West Hartford, Unbalanced, Episode 4 with Keith Kelly and Kevin Adams. And we're here on episode four, if you can believe it wow. or not, of the Unbalanced Podcast. I am recording from Park City, Utah, second floor of my rented home, overlooking some snow-capped mountains out the window on a beautiful day. And with me, as always, is the fearless leader, Kevin Adams, from a basement in North Attleboro. Welcome, Kevin. Keith, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Hard to believe it's episode four already. Episode four already, and back to the Northeast with this episode. We're very, yes. very excited to be joined by one of the great retailers in our industry, someone who is at everything, is part of everything, and is a fabri- part of the fabric of running specialty as much as anybody we know. And her name is Stephanie Blosey, and she is from Fleet Feet Hartford. Welcome, Steph. Thanks. Hey, I thought you said this was the unhinged podcast it's well <laughs> close it's close it depends what yeah. it depends what kind of uh, work day kevin adams has had if, nice. uh, because sometimes uh. he finds himself unhinged at the end of the day <laughs> you know thanks keith i appreciate it you know and i'm two hours behind so whatever like level of unhinged he has i've got a couple of hours to deal with it so it's all nice. good. Yeah, but he catches up. He catches up very quickly and just to clarify keith she's not in the northeast let's be more specific part of new england of the New England states, like the New England Patriots, just well, to kind of for don't, the listening audience. I don't know where Steph sits because most people I know from Connecticut have very split uh, allegiance between New England sports and New York sports. Oof. It's true. So let's just get that out of the way first. Are you a Giants fan or Patriots or Red Sox or Yankees? Well, I'm not a big football fan, so I'm going to say go Bengals. Okay. Um, okay, yes. there we go. All right, back to the roots. Ohio. Exactly. So Hartford, Connecticut literally lies the line for baseball bifurcates Hartford. And um, I do have my favorite niece and nephews that live in Brooklyn. So I call myself a New York Yankees fan. But I also root for the Green Monster. And any day that I can go to Fenway and watch a baseball game is a highlight. Well, Kevin Adams can get you tickets to baseball games when things open up again and uh, yes, yes. when life is back and, and things are normal. 
Yes. Look forward to hosting you to cheer on the green monster, even though you are a Yankees fan. That's okay. (laughs) That's okay. My son's a Yankees fan too. So it's all good. Nothing but love for you. Listen, they traded off my favorite players. So mm, I might have to switch. You know, Steph, right. I have zero allegiance to either side Ugh. because I'm just not a baseball fan. Hmm. You can always cheer for the Reds. You can always go right. back to Cincinnati. Liverpool. Just saying. Oh, Rose, I, thought, I thought you were yeah. talking, when you said Reds, I thought you were talking Liverpool. But yes, no, the, the Cincinnati Roots, the Flying Pig Marathon. <laughs> yes. Yes, we, we, we love it out there. A good fleet feet operator out yeah. there. And Frank, Frank and Stacy. Exactly. Absolutely. Get them on. So, yeah, I've I've uh, I've definitely been wearing my Cincinnati invented hustle shirt quite a bit in the last month to uh, you know channel the inner Pete Rose and all of us. Yes, we all need a bit of hustle right now. <laughs> no, and eager to hear about the hustle and what you've had to do to kind of reinvent reaching out to your community and your customers. But why don't you take us back to the beginning of what led you to get into the running industry and. Even your running roots, because it's a really interesting background you have on how you found the sport and how you came to it later and how you ended up developing one of the best businesses in this industry with your sister. So you want me to talk about like how I got Let's from go chasing uh, yeah. tornadoes to chasing yeah, yes. shoelaces? Because that's an amazing fun fact. I don't know if many of our listeners know about it. Keep you know, I didn't know. I, I You know, Steph, you have to forgive me. I, I did do a little <sighs> bit of research today. And, and came across this. And, and the first thing I thought of it was what I said to you in the intro was that you've literally <laughs> chased storms and figuratively dealing with a storm right now of a different kind. Absolutely. But yes, yes. I'm, I'm very interested in this background and I, I'm sure the rest of the running channel is too. All right. Well, since you told me I've got all the time in the world to talk, uh, we'll, we'll go form. back to when I was uh, five years old. Um, my dad in the 70s was a huge runner and he would do a bunch of races. And back then, if you couldn't run like faster than a eight minute mile, you ran the fun run. Um, so it wasn't just the kids run. The fun run was for adults who were slow and kids. Um, so after he did a 10K race in his cutoff jeans and a belt and Converse high tops. So, you know, pretty fantabulous running outfit. He placed second. Um <laughs> I and my brother ran in the fun run with all the other adults. And as I'm racing toward the finish line, I was five years old at the time. I hear the announcer announce that um, a local personality, radio personality, was right in front of me. And I passed her right at the finish line. And I just thought I was like a superstar. And her name was Shelly Bamberger. And I actually Googled her not too long ago. And she's a motivational speaker. And I want to go back to her and tell her, like, you motivated me when I was five years old. And now look what happened. Um, So I beat Shelly Bamberger. And I just thought, man, I must be like super fast. Um, So I told everyone what a great runner I was. And that kind of solidified that through junior high and high school, um, even a little bit in college, you know, running defined me. I loved cross country. I hated track. Um, Just let me run on the open, the open grass. Um, and running was always a big part of my life. I have an older brother, younger sister. They dabbled in running, but to me, like running was the connection I made with my dad. Um, fast forward to 1995, uh, I was diagnosed with lupus. And at the time, all the doctors said, if you've got an autoimmune disease, you know, you should rest, you should stop exercising, you know, conserve your energy. And so I stopped running pretty much stopped any kind of athletic endeavors and tried to focus on getting healthy. 
which is the uh, opposite of what they tell you now. Um, but at the time, that's what I did. And during this time, my dad and my brother and my sister all started running marathons together. And I would go watch the, them run in these races and had an insanely jealous feeling because I was the runner of the family. I was dad's little runner. Um, and here my brother and sister were running 26.2 miles. And you know what it's like when you're on the sidelines watching a marathon and you see people of all ages and shapes and sizes. It's super motivating. And I just like, it really depressed me. And, you know, one time I told my sister that and nonbeknownst to me, she started doing some research. And one day she came up to me and she said, hey, a lot of doctors right now are recommending exercise for people that have autoimmune diseases. Like, I think you should go talk to your doctor about exercising. So I had a new rheumatologist at the time, and I remember my appointment with him, and I was like, you know, would it be possible that I could start running again? And he was like, I think that's a great idea. You should, you should try. And in, you know, typical blowsy fashion, um, going from running, I immediately signed up to run the Marine Corps Marathon nine months later. <laughs> and uh, my first long run was two miles. And I remember my sister went out with me and it involved some walking. I think it involved tears. I have never hurt so much on a two mile run in my life. Um, but two miles turned into three, which turned into four, which turned into eight. Um, every weekend I would meet my sister for a new long run. Um, and every day or every weekend after our long run, she would have a running present for me. Like I am all about bribery. Um, so there would be new running socks, there would be a hat, a shirt, shorts, a book about running. There was always something to motivate me to get me to the next week. And uh, sure enough, nine months later, um, her and my dad and I, we did the Marine Corps Marathon. And it was such a fabulous experience. Um, I, of course, cramped up at mile 11, never cramped up in my life, but at mile 11, cramped and stayed cramped through mile 26. And my dad always asked me, he's like, I, I thought you just would have quit and you would have tried again some other time. And I was like, no, when you put nine months of training into something, you're not going to let a cramp stop you. Love it. Um, but it was just amazing and kind of funny side story. For years, I had watched the Marine Corps Marathon and I always would be at the bottom or in the middle of the Iwo Jima Hill. And I thought the finish line was at the top of the Iwo Jima Hill. And I would see people walking up this hill. And I was like, you're finishing a marathon, finish running, you know, run up that hill, charge the, you know, charge the mountain, just get it done. And so at the race, we got to that point and I was like, I'm going to be like sprint up this hill. Like I'm going to show this marathon who's boss. So I took off, ran up to the top of that hill and I was like dead tired. And I'm like looking around for the finish line and I look and I see a sign and it says 26 miles. And if you know a marathon, you know it's 26.2 miles. And that 0.2 miles was the longest 0.2 miles ever. <laughs> and I let off a series of cuss words. It was the first time my dad ever heard me say a swear word. <laughs> and uh, I think he was shocked, didn't know how to respond. But I was just like, are you freaking kidding me? I have 0.2 miles to go. I'm dead. Um, but I finished. And super proud. Incredible. And that's, yeah. if you go to the Fleet Feet Harford website, you can see a photograph of you as that five-year-old ripping, yes. ripping down uh, <laughs> the street. It's awesome. Full, it's, good, it's the yeah. old black and white. 
black and white you're wearing gloves so cold day but yeah yeah accessories super, super cool so like from that moment that I finished that marathon like all of a sudden my I just started feeling better physically and mentally and that's kind of when I realized how important running and exercise is to anybody whether you're healthy or you're sick um, and it kind of became a, a really big mission for me to share that platform with people and uh, at the time, I was working as a meteorologist for a company called Weatherbug. Um, I got to travel across the U.S. chasing tornadoes and blizzards and hurricanes. It was, it was a fabulous job. I worked with television stations. So I got to know a lot of uh, on-air meteorologists really well. Super fun job. But there was always something in me that said, you know, you need to spread this message about getting people healthy and using exercise, even if you're battling cancer or an autoimmune disease. Um, and so one day, um, I think it was Christmas, no, New Year's Eve, 2005, my sister and I were, uh, we watched the ball drop. We were at home drinking a bottle of wine. There was a bag of M&Ms, like an entire pound of M&Ms that we probably pounded during that time. And uh, after the ball dropped, you know, and the fire's kind of dwindling down, she turns to me and says, you know, what is, what does your life look like in the next couple of years? Like, what do you want to do? Like, we're both single, you know, we have good jobs that would allow us to, you know, pursue something that we really want to do. If you could do anything, what would you want to do? And I was like, I don't know, like, it would be pretty cool to have a business with my sister. And so we start talking and um, we're like, well, if we're going to have a business together, it's got to be something that we both like. And she wrote down her list of things that she liked to do. I wrote down my list. And we had two things in common that we thought we could run a business. And any idea what those two things were? They were helping people. Uh, sure. a good guess. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think, I mean, we know one of the answers, right? I yes. think the question that I'm going at is, what is the other one, Keith? I can't think Correct. of it. It's running. Yeah. yeah. We of course. both loved running. And uh, hint, what were we uh, eating? M&M's. Which? <laughs> Chocolate. Yeah, so all right. We're like, we love to like make truffles and cupcakes and baked goods. So we're like, we could- You're getting off the health stuff. track there. Did you realize yeah. you're getting off the I, health so track? I, you're I, losing I, I, there. I don't know how that's- I know, was going down the road of run, spreading yeah. running to people and helping yeah. people get right. running. It was like a bike But shop, what you're saying know. is you're, you're going to pour people in chocolate. Yes. Yeah. This is my kind of world. Yeah, which I love. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah, so it was running or a chocolate shop. And I actually came up with a great name for the chocolate shop. So my last name is Blozy. And the shop was going to be called Chocolozy. Chocolozy. That's Chocolozy. phenomenal. Isn't that awesome? I still think you should trademark that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that'll become my third act. There you go. And, uh, you know, after some more discussion, we decided that neither one of us like to get up early. And if you run a bakery, you're, you got to get up like at 3 a.m. before the sun. Um, and yep. we would probably end up getting fat and hating chocolate. Um, so all three of those things were negative. So we're like, all right, then uh, owning a running store, it is like we both love running apparel, shoes, like geek out on running products. And, uh, you know, we were like kind of conversation for the rest of the night was all about like oh what would our running store look like and I went to bed and woke up the next morning and was like, like yeah that was just drunk conversation like she's not serious 
But in the morning, I was like, that was pretty cool. Like, you know, that'd be fun if we had a running store together, not thinking that it was a serious thing. And a week later, my sister comes back and she's like, yeah, so I've been researching owning a running store and I really think we should franchise. And I found a franchise that has a really cool like business plan and they look really helpful. It's called Fleet Feet. And I was like, oh, shoot. She's like, like really serious. Got real in a hurry, huh? Kari, Kari yeah. was on it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, all right. Well, you know, at the time, our parents had moved from Ohio, where we had grown up, to Connecticut, to Hartford. And my brother and his family, or he's starting a family at the time, were living in Brooklyn, New York. And so my sister and I were in Washington, D.C. And I was like, all right, well, we should probably move closer to mom and dad to open up our running store. And drew a little two-hour radius because I didn't want to live too far away. And the only town that didn't have a running store that I thought would be viable was Nashua, New Hampshire. So I was like, all right, well, if she's really serious about this franchise thing, like I'll research Nashua and I found a shopping mall that might be good. And so, you know, I started writing out the application for it. And of course, years later, my sister's like, yeah, when I did that research on owning a running store, like I didn't think you were that that serious about it. But then when you came back with <laughs> Nashua, like I was like, I guess she's serious about it. So it's kind of funny. We both thought each other was the serious one and didn't have the guts to like burst their bubble. Um, and funny enough, we're we're still in business together. Um, but the story kind of takes a, a, a an interesting turn because. Um, I put in my Fleet Feet application for Nashua, New Hampshire, and I got a call from Luke Rowe, who said, hey, that's great. You know, like your application looks really good. You're just the type of people that we would want to run a store. Um, but would you be interested in a store and buying a store that might be for sale? And of course, when you're looking at businesses, an established business has immediate cash flow versus starting one from scratch. It's a lot harder. So I was like, yeah, you know, we'd totally be interested in buying a store, but it's got to be within two hours of Hartford because we want to live near our parents. And he's like, I think you're going to like this location. I'll have the owner call you. So the next day I get a call from this woman and she says, I hear you're interested in buying my store. Um, what do you want to know? And I'm like, I, I just need to know, like, where is it located? And she's like, it's in West Hartford, Connecticut. And I'm like, the one that's 1.4 miles from my parents' house? Unbelievable. Like, you gotta be kidding me. So I was like, heck yeah, I'm totally interested. Um, and we actually, you know, did some negotiation, talking back and forth, had a letter of intent. But then I got cold feet because I was like, what the hell? I'm a meteorologist. What do I know about retail or running shoes? Like, I like to run, but they do this like gate analysis thing. I have no clue. I'm like, I can't do this. Um, and she was kind of pissed at me for, for not buying the store at the time. Um, but what I said was this, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to go back to school. Uh, you know, being a meteorologist, I'm a scientist and I like to have everything, you know, planned out. And so I was like, I'm going to go and get my master's degree in exercise science. And my sister was like, that's great. I'm going to go get my MBA in business. So that way I know how to you know, handle things. So she specialized in supply chain management. I specialized in strength and conditioning and in gait analysis. And, you know, during the two years that I was getting my master's degree, I quit my job as a meteorologist and I went to work for Fleet Feet in Gaithersburg, Maryland. So I kind of got to learn what it was like to, to work at a Fleet Feet store. And I was like, this really isn't work. It's 
a lot of fun. Like I had to run the fun runs and hang <laughs> out and like chit chat with people. It was, it was kind of cool. Um, and all during this time, the owner of Fleet Feet Hartford, Alice Gold, would call me and be like, hey, I have another person interested in buying the store. Do you want to counter bid? And I was like, nah, you know what? If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. Like, otherwise, we'll just open a Nashua. And two years later, the store was still for sale. And I decided to take the plunge. And literally, I graduated. And three days later, I bought the store. Amazing. And moved to wow. Hartford. I'm, I'm so fired up from hearing that story. Because, <laughs> know, right? it's, because it's like... You, you're an actual living proof of you, you read these things about chasing your dream and, you know, are you doing what you want to do and should you quit your job? And, and you and your sister went back to school, took two sides of the business, both became experts in that, rejoined, and you now run a super successful fleet feat. And yeah. you're kind of living living the dream, even though it can be a pain in the arse at times, of course. Nothing's easy. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, that's I, incredible. Uh, when I went to get my master's degree, I was 35 years old. I was definitely the oldest person in the class, and I was the shortest. Um, and so they called me the Hobbit. Like oh To them, I was like this old lady. And now I look back, and I'm like, I was 35. I was so young. but. And this was you know, George Washington I University. Yes, the George Washington Jeez. University. Yes. Yeah. But like I look back now on what we did and I don't know if I would have the guts to do something like that again. Um, I mean, that's like jumping off a cliff and you have no idea if there's water or a foam mat or, you know, what's underneath you. But I always have this um, saying that if you're going to bet on anybody, you should bet on yourself because you can really affect the outcome of your decision like when you make that decision and it's up to you you will work your ass off to make sure that you put yourself in the best position possible so bet on yourself but how you did it with your sister keith i don't know maybe i feel like you and i are two more <laughs> impulsive guys that the second we would have heard hartford we gotta buy it today yes <laughs> kev would have oh been already on your his sister way to the bank. so thoughtful right it's like nope let's go back let's do the yeah it's it's really impressive though that you didn't take that as a sign the second it was you know presented to you and your sister right. the fact that you did the work to ensure that when you took that leap that you invested in yourselves and I'd say it's probably a huge reason why you guys are so successful in running the business. And, yeah, uh, I mean, you could say that we were a little bit too planned or like paranoid, scared. You know, it was sort of like, it was a lot of money. And sure. you know, it ended up being, we sold the house that we were living in. We cashed out our 401ks. Um, you know, the greatest part of the story is, is that it was June of 2008. And what happened in June of 2008? Yeah, exactly. And it's the recession and, 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 and to, yep. to be, to open a store. And you're right beside New York. I mean, Connecticut, Southern Connecticut is is heavily affected with what goes on in New York. Yeah, definitely. Like this whole COVID crisis, we are, yes, you know, kind of lumped in with New York City, even though we're two hours away. Um, I always like to tell the story too. You know, I was uh, going to buy the store on Monday. It was either June 8th or June 9th. And the bank all along said that I would get my loan on the Friday beforehand. And the Friday beforehand at 12 p.m., I went to the bank and they're like, oh, you know what? Actually, we're not going to fund you. We've uh, shut down all loans and we have no money for you. Yeah. And all of a sudden I was going to go buy the store on Monday morning and I had no cash. 
Um, so I had to get an emergency bridge loan. I cashed out my parents' retirement and took equity out on their house and blessed their hearts for like having the confidence in Carrie and I um, that we weren't going to lose their house for them. <laughs> but managed to scramble the money together and uh, bought the store. Um, I literally left the lawyers with $244 in my bank account and got to the store and you know helped the first couple customers and they all paid by credit card. And then a customer went to give me cash for a sale and I opened up the till and there's nothing left because the old <laughs> owner took all the money out of the till. So I literally went <laughs> to the bank took out $200. I had $44 left in my name and uh, put the 200 in the bank. Uh, but that night I went back to the bank and made my first deposit and I wow. haven't looked back since. That's amazing. Wow. That is amazing. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the people we've spoken to Steph did say that running, you know, even at the worst of the recession in 2008, running still was something everyone turned to and, bought running shoes and running apparel yeah. and so even though you opened during a time when getting a loan wasn't easy and people were very paranoid and saving their money exercise again like it did for yourself with, with dealing with lupus exercise was was what was helping people and running was what was helping people if it was just to clear their head or get out of the house or just to get their thoughts straight so did you did you feel the customers were embracing fleet feet harford during that period and, and during that summer yeah, it was it was amazing. I mean, we bought the store and a year later we had doubled that store's revenue. Um, the community responded to us in such an amazing way and embraced us. Um, the meteorology geek in me will give you the example that uh, in order for a raindrop to form and happen, what happens is like a little particle of dust floats up into the atmosphere and water droplets kind of latch onto it. And when that particle gets so laden with water droplets, it's too heavy to be kept up with the updrafts in a storm. It falls to the earth as rain or snow. Um, and I liken Fleet Feet Hartford to that piece of dust. Like there's all these runners and people that want to get healthy and exercise out there, but they really need a common place, some place to go to inspire them, for them to connect to and become part of it. Um, and that was really my sister and I's goal with the store is to make Fleet Feet a running hub and a community and a place that really embraced people of all ages and abilities. You know, we, of course, had the beginner running program, but we started a kids running program and we had programs for fast runners and for new runners and old runners. And um, it just really, we just opened ourselves up to the community and the people became like those water droplets and they just latched onto us and they really, you know, brought the store to life and, and made it so that we could survive that recession. In fact, not just survive it, but thrive through it. So I get it. That's, I love the analogy of, of the rain. Only, only you could put it that way. So eloquently, <laughs> yes. and helping right? and how the community has come back. So sure. I got to ask you, it's been, you know, you've been open since 2008 and before we talk about present state, you know, there's the running event that we all, most of us go to every year. And there are certain events that we go to, like the Fleet Feet Conference. And honest to goodness, I think you and your sister have won every award from every manufacturer out there. And in such an inspiring way, and you're probably going to be too humble to talk about it. But 
Give me a couple of examples on how the store has enabled you and your sister not just to have a community to rally around you, but what you guys do for your community there is truly inspiring. Are there a couple of stories or one in particular that stands out on how you've been able to go back to your original cause that your sister on, how you've been able to help people? You've helped so many. What are yeah. a couple of examples that really stand out that you're probably most proud about? Well, I would say the the moment I realized how, I mean, there's a couple defining moments of, of owning the store. You know, one was the first time that I'm in the store. And of course, the store, because it was already there, had employees um, and we had business. And it was like a couple days in and an employee came up to me with a pretty challenging question and she needed an answer. And I like kind of looked around and I was like, oh, ha, ha, the buck stops with me. Like... I'm the one that needs to come up with this answer. And that really put things into perspective and like, oh, like I run this business and people are depending on me. Um, so that was a big aha moment. But sort of what really led fuel to our fire was, um, was it the earthquake in Haiti. And we had seen pictures of people walking around that lost everything and they had no shoes and they're walking on debris and rusty nails and um, just how the health of the community was worse because they didn't have shoes. And so we got this idea in our head that we would do a shoe drive, that we would collect gently worn sneakers. Um, I think our goal was 200 pairs of sneakers and I was going to mail them to Haiti. And so, you know, I put this announcement out in our newsletter and within a day and a half, we had 300 pairs of shoes. And wow. I was just like, holy smokes, like, this is amazing. And then it just kept rolling and rolling. And after two weeks, I had 20,000 pairs of shoes. Wow. Like, that is incredible. The store was inundated with wow. shoes. And of course, you know, we weren't prepared for all these shoes. And so we would get the shoes, say thank you, and we would throw them into our basement. Um, and then I was like, crap, how am I going to get these shoes to Haiti because you know what it costs to mail a pair of shoes. Yeah, not like, cheap. There's no good freight program to Haiti yeah, last I checked. No. Yeah. I mean, we were thinking like it was going to be like seven, eight bucks a pair. There was no way I had that kind of money to send that amount of shoes. And so um, I was talking to one of our customers about it, and she just happened to be one of the local radio DJs, um, Christine Lee of 96.5 FM in the morning. Shout and out. Yeah, and she was like, all right, we're going to help you out. Like we're going to, um, if you can get the shoes down or we said, if we can get the shoes down to Alabama to souls for souls, they would put it in a shipment carrier that they were taking with them. So we just had to get the shoes to Alabama. They donated a U-Haul truck and the money to fly, um, two of my employees who drove the truck to Alabama to fly home from Alabama. So we had a way to get the shoes for free down to Alabama, which was great. Um, and then it became known Souls for Souls was like, hey, all I needed to do is make sure the shoes are tied together as a single pair so that we don't have to match 20,000 pairs of shoes. And I was like, oh, crap, we literally have 20,000 single pairs of shoes or 40,000 shoes in our basement that need to be matched. Um, so I put this call out for help, like, hey, Saturday morning, please show up and, and help us match shoes thinking that I'd get like five or six volunteers over a hundred people showed up to match shoes. Oh, and we have this wow. amazing picture of like a 200 meter line, a people chain of people would match the shoes and then they would pass it up the steps out the loading dock and pack it into the truck. And a local bakery had brought cupcakes for everybody. So good. 
and we called it Operation Inspire. And it was just like the most amazing thing. And that's when I realized that like, I almost liked the community part of this business way more than I liked running the actual business of the store. You know, I always thought like owning a running store was all about like, I'm going to be a badass business owner. Um, but now I really like to use Fleet Feet and leverage it to do the good that our world needs to needs to have. And there's been, you know, we, we helped out with Hurricane Sandy that we collected toys and gift cards and socks. And then we went to the hardest hit areas and we dropped off goodie bags to families. Um, we've done all kinds of things, you know, in this crisis right now, we created a cool shirt that represents all of the local businesses around us. And then we're sharing the profits of those shirt sales with all the local businesses. You know, it's not just about us. If we can make our community better, there is no more generous group of people I know in this world than runners are like runners give and give and give. They just kind of need a platform or that raindrop to be a part of. And, um, that's kind of, you know, what we've done is, is really helped out people and initiatives that needed help that kind of were forgotten. And, you know, our big one right now, we've actually started a, a 401 or 501c3, 401k, that would be a retirement program, <laughs> um, a 501c3, a full nonprofit, and we call it Footwear with Care. And we've partnered with local podiatrists and uh, the Hartford police and literally we go downtown and under the bridges and we give out shoes, sneakers during the summer and Wolverine, like super $150 steel toed Gore-Tex boots for them in the winter. Um, and we give away about four to 500 pairs of shoes and boots and socks. And um, we invite them to a boot party and we got to do it at Dunkin' Donuts Stadium last spring. And they come through and they get their feet looked at by a podiatrist. They get a flu shot. They get breakfast and lunch and they get socks and toothpaste and soap. And then they get their brand new shoes. Um, and it's been like the most amazing thing. And just last week, because we weren't allowed to have our spring boot party this year, you know, a lot of the homeless here in Hartford, if you weren't in a shelter, then you weren't allowed in the shelter ever. Like you had to be in the shelter before they closed everything down and they actually moved all of those to a hotel room. And if you were out on the streets, you're out on the streets. So there's 200 people that are living outside in the streets. And Kevin, you know, it's, it's not been a gentle spring here. We've had no, snow, we've had cold temperatures. It's been dousing rain. These people have nowhere to go. Like yeah. they can't go inside Dunkin' Donuts and warm up or get a cup of coffee, you know, they're stuck out on the street. So we went out last week and drove to some of the bus shelters and the places where the homeless are, and we're able to fit them with dry socks and give them a couple pairs of socks and a new pair of shoes. And it was, um, it really makes you feel, you know, instead of complaining that we're stuck at home quarantined, like these people are stuck outside, like they would give anything to be inside. Um, I love that. So stuff. it's been it's been amazing. No, it puts it in perspective as you think about so many people that to your point, Steph, complain about being sheltered and can't go out, but what you're doing to outreach during this challenging time for those who are less fortunate who are stuck literally outside in need. Uh you're truly making this world a better place. So so thank you. And and yeah. as you think about like even the current state that we're in. How are you holding up the troops? And you got you got an amazing staff. We got one of your one of your great alumni, Casey, over at Team New Balance. We're on keeping oh, iron nice. calls with her every day. She was excited to hear that we were talking. She's awesome. to you today. Um, 
how are you doing? How's Carrie doing? How's how how the troops doing? Because we know it's also a challenging time in retail, knowing kind of where we're sitting today with COVID nineteen. Yeah, I mean, we went from in mid March we decided to, you know, close our doors a couple of days before the governor ended up ordering the doors closed. And we literally thought it was just going to be for a couple of weeks. Um, and so we kept everybody on payroll um, and we managed that until April 5th. And wow. when at that point we realized this isn't going to be a four week quarantine and right. then done. It could be, you know, another month before we're like right now we're at May 20th before we're, supposedly going to allow to be reopened but even then you know it's going to happen on a rolling basis and i'm sure there's going to be limits placed on us as to the number of people we can have in the store and sure. you're going to wear the masks and gloves and it's just not going to be that personalized experience so on april 5th we did unfortunately have to furlough most everybody on staff we kept our our social media coordinator who has done a bang up job um, on making all kinds of fun posts and just, you know, really keeping the energy alive. Um, and we kept our two managers on. And literally, it's been the five of us running the store, trying to do curbside um, deliveries, um, the fleetbeat.com orders that we get. I mean, we had over 60 of them yesterday. Um, That's great. That's really, boxing really them great. out. Yeah. I was going to ask about the, the connection you have with the community because it's so strong. How has it been keeping in touch with them both digitally and curbside? But speak more digitally, right? Because most people come to your store because they want to see you, your sister, your staff. Yeah. I mean, it's it's very, it's a little confusing because there's fleetbeat.com, which uses inventory from 180 fleetbeat stores across the country. Um, and the great, great thing is, is that it's still within the fleetbeat brand, but a lot of times customers think that they're shopping with you. Um, and then they call and they're like, well, why did I receive my product from Sacramento or from Memphis? Um, why didn't this come from you? So like trying to explain that and trying to really get people to understand that we're open for curbside and it's not yep. so much curbside as in like a takeout restaurant where we'll just throw it in your trunk. Like, of course we're doing that. You call up and say, I want another 880 V10 in a size eight. You know, we can get you the right color and put it in your trunk. But right now the, the community, there's so many more walkers and runners outside. Like, right. You go outside, especially between five and 8 PM on a nice evening. And it is amazing. The number of people that are out. And I yeah, look it's at unbelievable. Them, like, there's a lot of people that need shoes. Um, and as active as we are on social media and we did, you know, we used to send out an email once every two weeks. Now we're doing it once every probably 36 hours. Um, yesterday I had to cancel our kids running program season and there was over 200 families that participate in that. And I sent the email out and I said, but we still are going to do kind of a virtual program. You know, I invite you guys to stop by the store and pick up all your, we call them lap tracker cards and uh, fun, fun little fact. My dad is like the highlight of this uh, program for the kids. And, you know, growing up, he's, whenever I would go for a run with him, he'd always be like, oh my gosh, you're such a beautiful runner. You're so good. You know, and I believed every word he said. And when we started this kids program, he started repeating that to like all these other kids. And I realized like, he just says that to everybody, but he makes such an impact on these kids' lives. And these kids were like, we miss Coach Jack. And so my dad today spent the day tracing his hand on paper and writing a little note. He's like a virtual high five 
you know, for all my Zoomerang kids and little well wishes. So the kids are coming to the store to pick up their card and their high five. And parents, literally like 80% of the parents had no idea that we were available curbside. So, you know, even then it's like trying to get the message out. How do you let people know that while we're closed, we're still open and really trying to scramble for money. So that's been like number one priority lately is, you know, I don't think you can communicate enough because when a community finds out that you are open, they're like, oh my God, I need shoes. My mother needs shoes. My kid needs shoes. They'll come in or not come out outside while we can help them. Um, But if we can't get that message out to the community, you know, that's kind of where we're screwed. So but you, you, you guys, know, you, you have a good following though in the community already. I mean, people know who you are and all these things you're doing. The, the, I love the stories. The, the shipping out twenty, forty thousand individual shoes to, uh, <laughs> to Haiti. But the, the homeless shelters and the kids running programs. I, th- I think yeah, the, the word will spread and people will yeah. tell others and they want to support community they, during this time more than ever. They want to support what's going on and give back to the people who've given so much to the community agreed so yeah i'm sure friday last friday was the most amazing day in a while and you know the reason for it was everyone received their stimulus checks on a lot of people did on thursday and the number of people that were like we just want to buy a gift card we just want to buy something from you that's great i think i must have cried like four times on the phone with customers because they were like we're spending our money with you like we just want to make sure you're gonna be okay and it's so like for so long like i feel like we've been serving the community and now right now the community is serving us and it's yeah uh, it'll make me cry yeah but humbling it sounds humbling but you know what yeah they do they want to give back to you because you've given so much stuff so i mean that's a huge shout out to you and your sister and it's amazing that's uh yeah. hard not getting chills hearing that huh keith absolutely and I, I i want other stores to hear this and and to hear the support that's coming in to you guys because of all the, the good things that you've done for your community and it's something that's been pretty consistent in when we've talked to people that the ones that donate more of their time and more of their limited resources to helping the community not just trying to be a transactional business but to be a complete part of the fabric of the running community they're the stores that are gonna gonna not only survive but thrive coming off this because people will want to support you and people will will remember what happened during this time and how you and your sister were still out giving shoes to the homeless and they're gonna be like man next pair of shoes i buy is i'm definitely going to fleet feet harford and i i think it's i think it's really really wonderful and and it's such a credit to you and your sister for what you've built there yeah, thank you. I, I'm a true believer in you get what you give. Um, so if you treat the world as you want to be treated, you know, it's going to come back to you. And um, I always love the phrase that, you know, some people work hard to do good and other people do good to work hard. And, yeah. you know, we're really, we want to work hard so that we can do good in this world. And I think it's, the right thing to do like yes i need my business to be profitable and i need it to be sustainable but honestly i feel like fleet feet is way more of a philanthropic charitable or like it's my way of having an impact on the community way more than it is the business that i thought i was gonna run and i'm curious about how people are in general because 
you know, with New York being the epicenter for COVID-19 in the United States and, and New Jersey, and you see the numbers, I, I'm obsessed with looking at the numbers and looking at the curve and looking at everything else. And, you know, Connecticut has a lot of cases. I mean, almost 20,000 cases and over a thousand deaths. Are people in Connecticut, are they are they feeling the effect of what's happening in New York and, and are they paranoid or reluctant to go out? Or are you finding that, they're willing to go out as for an essential item such as running shoes and or a piece of running apparel. Yeah, it's it shocked me more. Like I, I mean, a part of me feels like this is a virus. I mean, it it is deadly, but at some point you kind of want to get immunity, right? You want to help create herd immunity, and we're still fairly young. We're strong, you know. Like, so I kind of get a little frustrated personally at at all the lockdowns and the restrictions. But honestly, Connecticut as a whole, the Hartford area as a whole, they are, I mean, we're a bunch of rule followers here um, and super conservative. Like you would think that we're in New York City and people treat it very seriously. Like there is not a lot of mingling going on. Um, You know, talk right now, I've got talk to my friends in Ohio, Frank and Stacy and, um, you know, Ohio wants to come back like they're fighting with their governor and protesting like they want to be opened up georgia tennessee um, in, south carolina here in utah where i am i'm you know park cities is a little bit more observant of rules but i was down picking up some curbside brewery uh visit this past <laughs> weekend important, to important get my thing. support local support my local to get my ipas from Saltfire and uh Evie and I were shocked at the amount of people. It was a beautiful day. It was 68 degrees. And right. It, 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 the park downtown, uh, right near the brewery, was, was packed. It was full of people kicking ball, running, wow. riding bikes, hanging out. And I'm like, yeah, it, it's a little bit different because out here it is quite sheltered. They, they do want to open up again. It's not as, as serious. But I figured Connecticut is right you know, next to people. Yeah. People commute into New York City, so... I think Connecticut, New Jersey, you know, anyone that's a bedroom community of New York City. Um, So people are very reluctant to go out. Um, You know, everyone was donning masks before. We finally got the law was enacted last night that we have to wear a mask whenever you're outside or near a person or even in the workplace. So even in the store now um, with my colleagues, I have to have a mask on and gloves. So definitely like people in Connecticut are afraid and it doesn't seem like they're in a super rush to open up. It's like they want to open up, but they understand they don't want to open because I too do not want a second wave to hit. And I can't imagine opening up for two or three weeks and then having to close for 12 weeks again. Like that would be devastating. Um, So as much as it scares me to have this slow reopening, um, I would want that way more because I think if we had to close again at like that could really hurt. So what's your what's your optimism? And you you are a very optimistic person, and and everything you've done just just breathes optimism. But what what what's your optimism for the future? Like what 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 do you see, or what you know? What would you hope for this summer? And and what, quite frankly, lessons have you learned that will make Fleet Feet Hartford an even better business moving forward? Yeah, I mean, to me, I feel like we made it through the 2008 recession and we were able to thrive during that time. You know, my hope is that, well, I, I'd i like to thrive and, and, and maintain a super optimistic attitude 
knowing that Thrive is completely different now. Like um, our hands are way more tied than they were in 2008. Um, so I don't think we're going to see double digit growth um, during this time. Um, honestly, at the team meeting this morning, you know, we laid out what is our, our goal every day to hit cash flow to break even. And if we can hit break even every day, um, that's good. But what we're going to try to do is, you know, continue to hustle. And, you know, it's like building a fire. You know, I, I love watching Survivor. You know, you start with a little piece of flint and you make a spark and you put some um, little fire starter around and then you can slowly add small sticks and then big sticks. Like right now, we're sparking the flint. You know, hopefully we can start to... Um, make some progress with initiatives like virtual fit using zoom and getting more people to come curbside that we can service them um, with a fit curbside. And that includes like still doing a little gait analysis, watching them walk, look at the shape of their feet. You know, it's not going to be the fancy 3d foot scan service we offered in the past, but we can still help all these people that, you know, now that they're working from home, they're not wearing shoes in the office and they're walking on hardwood floors. And guess what? Like there's this huge explosion of plantar fasciitis going on right now. So if we can help people get over their plantar fasciitis and get into some good shoes so that they can continue their exercise program, you know, it's, it's a really good thing. So what little initiatives can we start? What little kindling can we add to our fire? Because the more we can make our fire grow, then the more staff I can bring back. And hopefully that'll be a lot faster um, than there's a lot of gloom and doom out there. And um, I read a report today from somebody in the running industry that said up to 50% of running stores might close in the next year. That it's not so much like right now, but it's the economic downturn. And, you know, what if people do start saving all their money and, trying to, you know, not spend. So, you know, our goal is to make sure that we remain relevant and top of mind and be able to grow that business so that, you know, we can thrive again. Yeah, I was talking to uh, the guys from FlowTrack on a, on a podcast this week and we, we were, I was asked that question and I know some stores won't survive and it's, it's really tough, but I, I think I'm not, I'm not as pessimistic as to, to say 50%. I hope it's a really, really tiny percent. I hope no one goes, yeah. out of, goes out of business, quite frankly, because we love this channel and, and and we love the community aspect of it. And, you know, I got into this in some ways because I loved elite running. And <laughs> I was, you know, as, I'm going to work in the running industry and it's going to be all about running and performance and times. And But then you realize that the pulse of the industry is is not people running sub 14 minute 5Ks or, you know, right. girls running sub 17 minute 5Ks. It's it's just people that want to get out and be active and be healthy and, and, and bring fitness into their lives. And I'm hoping that coming off this, people realize that they need to be healthier and that they need to look after their lungs and they need to look after their heart and they need to look after their weight. And if that's the case, the lowest barrier to entry of all things is, is to get a pair of shoes and get some basic right. apparel and get running. And with people like you and your community spreading that message, and if that message gets spread throughout the whole world, I don't know, maybe running stores will, will not go out of business and maybe maybe more people will go to them after this. Yeah. Uh, Keith, it's hard not to think of Fleet Feet Hartford as not being essential to the well-being of people. Seriously, no, health and wellness, business, right? Yeah. When you think about essentials and what you provide to your community is is essential to health and well-being. And we believe that in the channel and you do a great job yourself. And 
you know, we'll all be, you know, I'll be saying a prayer that this kind of flattens soon and you guys can be servicing a community on a broader base, but keep getting the word out there. Cause I think it's, people just need that call to action on how to get out there and can't yeah, thank you. I mean, for it the, would, yeah. it would really help if the government, like somebody, um, one of my colleagues made the the point that maybe we shouldn't be called shoe stores. Maybe we should be called a health and wellness location. And, you know, if governors and the the town government or the city government would say, you know, running stores are, or athletic sneaker stores are essential. You know, I don't know of any other retailer, small mom and pop retailer that involves themselves and grows and nurtures a community as running stores do. Um, and, you know, it's like we're a gym and we're a store and we're a therapist and we're a doctor, you know, a medical place that can help people get well again all in one, you know, like you guys said, like we, we should be deemed essential. And um, if we could get a little bit of plug for that and the value of a great pair of running shoes, you know, this is the great reset right now. I love seeing families out walking together after dinner, like spending time. Usually they're talking to each other. They're laughing. You know, this is what we kind of lost in this sense of like the great rat race. So now maybe people are carving out time for this. My hope is that even when we're back to normal, people still want to walk and run and hopefully they, they will value that pair of shoes and, and make us even more essential. I think, I'm confident. I think they yeah. will. <laughs> I think so too. I think we're going to see, I think there's been a little bit of a resurgence in running and a little bit of running boom because it's a pretty great activity to do right now. Not with people, right? Keep your social distancing. Right. But I think when they get back, people are going to crave that community that you created before only that much more. And I think bigger numbers. And that's my belief and hope. And that's you know, mine too. Amen. Amen. And uh, maybe next time we can sing some John Denver. I sorry I don't have my guitar, <laughs> Steph, to uh, to sing the duet. So that disappointing. So I know. Next time, I still got to get that video from back in the day. No, no, <laughs> no, no. Okay. It's a good thing it's a podcast. You can't see us singing, but that's all right. Well, we'll to, save that for another time. To, to circle back, to circle back uh, to what you talked about at the very beginning when you were, were talking about your first marathon, the Marine Corps, and you were running up the hill to the Iwo Jima Memorial. One of the first times we met was back at a Fifi conference in Washington, right. D.C. Very hot. It was extremely hot. It was very hot. You remember that? And I very hot. I wanted, I, to see, I wanted to see some, some monuments. as uh, I'd been to D.C. only one time before that, I think. And I decided with Kevin and Claire Wood to run to the Iwo Jima Memorial. And uh, however, Peter was, Breeze is with us as Peter well. Breeze. Peter Breeze. It was, it was yep. a lot further than we thought. And yes. much further. Claire Wood realized this, but one of someone who was working for a competitor group at the time said, No, no, it's not that far. I don't know if you remember this, Kev, but we ended up running about oh, se- I remember. 75 minutes. Neither of us <laughs> were in shape. I Fun was, fact Peter yeah. Breeze and I ran 10 miles in the morning. And I don't know if you remember, oh. <laughs> I thought I was going to have a heat stroke yes. that night. Almost it was heat not stroke. a pretty scene. literally like 104 degrees. Yes. With I know, 99% was, humidity. Yes. Yeah, Claire Wood was the smart one. She was like, "Nah, you guys are she crazy. I know how far not far good running is. conditions." She's like, "I'll take that <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Steph, we really appreciate uh, you taking yeah, taking taking an hour out of your day to talk to us and yeah, out of so an much. hour of all well, the work you're doing. Thanks for inviting me. No, it's great, and you're a real beacon, honestly. Yeah. And and, and and you're, you and your sister, and I love that you g- ring the Aww. bell. 
we love that you go to everything and you're part of the community beyond Hartford. You're part of the, the running specialty community and you've got a great relationship with New Balance as well as all the other brands. And yeah, we're just lucky to know you and we're lucky to, that you, we have had the opportunity for you to share a lot of your story, a lot of what you do and a lot of why you thrive. So, Well, I love you, Unbalanced Brothers. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thanks for being here in the time. I don't know about you, Keith, but I kind of want a, a Coach Jack high five on my wall somewhere right? in my oh, yeah. office because I'm kind of jealous. But I'm 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 gonna send you, know? you one. Awesome. awesome. There you go. That's so good. <laughs> well, Steph, we will uh, make right. sure we'll put out all the information in the show notes about your store and social media and everything else. And I've no doubt people awesome. are going to be shopping. Hey, we have a 2 p.m. fitness challenge every day. Love it. It, it. it runs it runs the gamut from planks, sit-ups, sprints to sorting laundry. Kev Adams needs, needs to do some planks. You've got to get that core strong. And I need help with the sorting laundry. My <laughs> wife would want me to sign up for that class probably. Exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm in. Uh, I'm in. Well, thanks for everything you do. Up, you guys. Okay, peace you out. You as well. Stay All safe. Right. Stay healthy. Okay, bye. And yes. Stephanie Blosey. I thought that was fantastic. I could listen to Steph talk all day. Great stories, great journey, different path to owning a running store, I think. Going from being a weather woman, glass of wine with her sister, Kerry, and it was either a chocolate shop or a running shop. And we're glad they chose a running shop because we all become friends now and we've got a great addition in the running community over the last 12 years. What Steph and Kerry do, and I think this came across very clearly, is selfless, uh, supporting the running community in Hartford with the best service, best product, training programs, giving back to the kids, but giving back to the homeless community, giving back to the community at large and long beyond the confines of Hartford, Connecticut. So hopefully you can all take something from that, from the positivity and, and fantastic voice that Stephanie has we're very, very lucky to have her in the running specialty community. So in the meantime, I hope everyone is safe and sound and somewhat optimistic. A lot of stores opened, so we are hearing anecdotes that business is pretty good. Uh, there's a lot of pent-up demand for running products right now. People have been sitting at home for six, seven, eight weeks and... Even though they might have been getting out a little bit, they really, really want to get after it. And now they can, can support their running store. They can go down and they can get what they need. Slightly different than perhaps the service they're used to, but the best service they can get right now, given the times. If your store is not open, hopefully you're figuring out ways of staying connected and getting ready for that pent-up demand that's definitely out there. Kevin, I want to give a big shout out to Docs Williams. Docs from Washington, D.C. You know him from Pace the Nation. I assume if you're listening to this podcast, you listen to Pace the Nation with Chris Farley and that whole crew down there. Docs has helped us get get started and, and he's been very patient. You know, we've been talking about doing this for a very long time and we never really did it. So now we have. So big shout out to Docs. Looking forward to next week where we'll be back with another interview. Uh, great guest you'll have to tune in download do what you have to do to find out who it is and you'll hear about their story and how they're dealing with COVID-19 in their community and in, the, in their business 
in the meantime stay safe stay active stay positive and thank you for listening to unbalanced episode four with keith kelly kevin adams and Steph Rosie. <laughs>